episode 73 of the Avatar Hour podcast, the ultimate companion podcast of the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we'll be discussing and recapping part three of Avatar The Last Airbender, the comic book, The Promise. So not only will this be a spoiler-heavy discussion of The Promise comic book, you can also expect spoilers regarding, you know, Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, as well as both Kiyoshi novels and the Suki Alone and Katara and the Pirate Silver comic books. <sighs> Say that in one breath. I dare you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, before we get started, how are you doing today, Andre? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Um, been real busy this week with a bunch of different stuff. The apartment situation is still in limbo. Mm. We don't know yet if we're going to move in. We were going to hope that we would have known by today, but we got an email uh, yesterday saying that they're still in the process of contacting references, stuff like that. So hopefully by next Friday, <laughs> we will know for sure if we are moving. Uh, but until then, we are in limbo. But yeah, otherwise doing pretty good. How about That's you, good. Kayla? Um, I'm good. No job hunt is still happening. Uh, schoolwork's still happening. Uh, nothing, no big updates on my end. Yeah, just trying to keep going through all this. You know, with all these. That's all you can do. Big changes on the horizon. You know, and just you know finding the consistency and things that make me happy, like this podcast. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's all you can do. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Absolutely. All right, and before we get started with the recap, we wanted to let you guys know that next week's episode is going to be a topic episode where Kayla and I are going to do a ranking of the seasons of Atla, as well as talking about our favorite episodes at the show. And you're, I'm sure you're asking, they don't usually tell us in advance what the topic episode is, so why are they telling us now? <laughs> and it's because we want you, the listener, to be a part of it. So we want you guys to send in your personal ranking of the three seasons of Avatar, as well as your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender episodes. And you get bonus points if you send in some explanation or reasoning for your opinion. If you do, we will read it on the show. And we'll be accepting submissions up until Friday, February 18th, because that's when we are recording. So if you want to send something in, definitely get it in while you can. To send in your submissions, you can email us over at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com, as well as DM us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast or on Twitter at Avatar Hour. So yeah, really excited for that. Yeah, we always love hearing from all of you. So we're really excited to hear what all of your thoughts are on this. Uh, I can definitely engage some interesting discussions uh, through this. So we really appreciate you taking part in this because... We love it when we hear from all of you. All right. Um, so, yeah, we don't have any news for this week. So we can just go ahead and jump into our final recap of The Promise Part 3. So let's get into it. We start this uh, with a shared dream that Aang and Zuko are having. The Fire Nation and Earth Kingdom troops are clashing on the battlefield over uh, the Harmony Restoration Movement. Zuko blames Aang for why he constantly hears Ozai's voice in his ear because Aang did not kill Ozai. And while Ozai's ghost tries to convince Zuko that only the Fire Lord can decide what is right, the ghost of Roku, on the other hand, tells Aang that Zuko has become too unstable and he must keep the promise he made to him when the fire when Zuko has more clarity of mind. And Zuko, who is, you know, just overwrought with despair, asks Aang to kill him. And Aang goes into the Avatar state, and as he does so, Zuko has a vision of his mother shedding some tears, and he tells her not to cry. And just as Aang is about to kill him, both of them wake up from this dream. Holy um, shit. <laughs> I kind of got from the fact that we cut directly to 
Fire Nation and Earth Kingdom battling out, battling it out in the battlefield that it was some sort of dream. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, this is this is really interesting because we know that sometimes dreams in the Avatar world are more often than not visions of of what may or may not happen. Um, obviously, this kind of thing doesn't happen, but uh, we also know that dreams in the Avatar universe are are a lot more than just what's happening on the surface. You know, this is really showing us the dichotomy of Aang and Zuko's, you know, ideologies and where they get those ideologies from, Roku and Ozai, respectively. And, yeah, uh, I think this serves much more than just, like, a kind of, like, gotcha moment, right? It's just kind of, like, you know, kind of checking in with how Aang and Zuko are dealing with this and what this could mean for their relationship. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, dreams are also a reflection of like, you know, what you're really thinking, you know, I mean, I don't know about real world, but usually dreams as utilized in fiction, uh, you know, tend to reflect exactly what the person is thinking in a different way, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. real world dreams, however, are way different than that not as insightful or thought provoking or revealing stuff about us, <laughs> at least not my dreams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also just like, like the, the panels are very like striking to me, like the artwork for this particular vision. It's probably some of my favorite like artwork from the, from this story so far. Yeah. So I want to definitely. point that out whenever there's good artwork. <laughs> um, so the next day, Aang and Katara reached Udao where they tried to warn the local civilians to evacuate the city, the Fire Nation civilians to be exact. However, they are immediately attacked by earthbenders, firebenders, and someone throwing axes, one of them being Sneers, who tries to convince Aang to join them in defending the city against the mob of protesters. Everyone explains their reasons for joining the Udao resistance, revealing that they all have friends and family of Fire Nation and Earth Kingdom descent, and even Sneers having Cory Morishida, who is of mixed ancestry, as his girlfriend. But they become a little less confident when Aang tells them that the Earth Kingdom is sending an army to the city. Yeah, again, it's just ramping up the stakes and and making this situation like increasingly more impossible you know because like you don't you don't know like it's definitely like a a tug of war between like like ang's personal interest and the interest of his status as like a world leader and like he has to put his personal interest to the side you know um his personal interest being like the people in his life against what he wants to do because of like real world implications of them you know being in relationships with people of of the other nation and it's just it's just real messy it's yeah. real messy y'all but i also appreciate like because like, there's a few different moments here in the comic where like usually ang is the one showing like hey like you know ang or katara or someone showing like well here's another perspective on this and then they get a second to doubt their own beliefs for a second their own mm-hmm. like cause and then gets immediately cut off, essentially, from going further with it. So we do see that happen twice in this part where we see, like, you know, Smeller Beats kind of, like, pauses for a second. It's like, oh, what are we doing? You know, like, mm-hmm. and then same thing here with the Resistance members. So I just yeah. appreciate that, like, people seeing the the gray as opposed to just straight up black and white stark difference. Right, right. 
Um, and yeah, at that moment, the Yu Dao branch of the official Avatar Aang fan club enters the factory. Um, this whole thing was really, really cringy. Um, Aang is initially like pleased to see them and like notes how like their costumes look really authentic, like the the jewelry they're wearing and everything looks really authentic. And at one point he's like, damn, you even got yeah, he says damn. Yeah. Um you wow. even got like the the airbender tattoos like painted exactly. And they were like, Oh no, this isn't paint, this is actual tattoos. Like, you know, we we tattoo ourselves like once we've achieved like you know, all this knowledge about the Air Nomads. And Aang is, of course, like, horrified because to them it's a tattoo, but to him it's 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 sacred part of his culture. And he even says, like, you can't just, like, go around masquerading, like, using my culture as a costume. Which, you know, I, I looked into Avatar Wiki because I was wondering if this was referencing something in, in particular. And from what I gleaned, this was written around the time where... There was a lot of discourse happening about, and like, and this was like years ago, um, but there was a lot of discourse happening about, um, you know, people not understanding, mainly white people not understanding why they couldn't like dress up as a Native American for Halloween or they couldn't dress up as like literally anything of of, of another culture, and it was a giant cultural appropriation was a giant uh, topic at the time, and um, and I think this is really, really accurate in in the way that even though they have the, like the best intentions right that's the, that's the thing you hear when people defend cultural appropriation like it's the best intentions like but it's still you it's like masquerading as another culture there's a difference between Oppressed respecting culture. a culture and stealing it for your own like intentions for the aesthetic you know? or you know you it's know. an aesthetic yeah it's it but it's it's not though you know mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I was not expecting something like this in this comic, but I'm really glad that um this is being this was brought up, especially the fact that there are nomads are a nearly extinct you know race of humans in this world, mm-hmm. and it which makes it like even worse, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, not not great. No. Um. But Aang, you know, he storms out of the building, and this seems to like harden his view that the four nations must remain separate to maintain balance. And he doubles down on his view that all the Fire Nation citizens must be removed from the city. And we get a little bit more explanation of why he thinks this later on, but we'll get back to that. Meanwhile, Zuko is meditating on his ship with the portrait of Uncle Iroh, and while he feels that his intentions are good and justified, he is worried that his actions are exactly what his father would do if he returned to power, and more specifically questions if his call to battle is justified or not. And he also wonders this, which is really interesting to me. He wonders that, you know, from an outside perspective, without knowing his reasons why, would they be able to differentiate Zuko's decisions versus Ozai's decisions and he I think it comes to the conclusion that no I don't at that at that point it's like the reasons almost don't even matter if it's the exact same thing that Ozai would do you know mm-hmm. so it's he it's a continuous struggle for him and he is talking to this portrait of Uncle Iroh and at first it was like it it seemed like Iroh had like already died I'm like wait a minute no that doesn't line up uh I, but but I was just like huh because he says, like, oh, I really miss you. I wish I could talk to you. And I was just like, it's just because he's in the Earth Kingdom, Andre. It's okay. Calm down. Uh, <laughs> but I was I was legit like, has he has Ira already gone into the spirit world? But no, that hasn't happened yet. No. Um, so before he can like come to a decision on his own, you know, he's told that they've arrived with the Earth Kingdom and he puts on his helmet to lead the army into the city. 
Meanwhile, Katara finds Aang meditating on the roof of the city's front gate, and he tells her that he has figured out why the four nations have to remain separate. And it's the power imbalance uh, that comes with the the nations not being separate. So that he says that the stronger nation will always hurt the weaker one, whether by conquest, like the Fire Nation to the Earth Kingdom, or by simply making the culture a joke, like the Air Nomad fan club. And this is, I I think, a really valid take on Aang's part. Um, and it, it really backs up his ideology and his opinion on the whole situation and there he was he's the last one of his culture and of course he feels like you know we all have to remain separate because if we start mingling like my culture is going to be gone because i'm the only one that represents it right now and not some like fan club who's like stealing my culture and tattooing you know stuff on their foreheads because they think it looks cool you know Mm -hmm. um and then Katara reminds Aang that Guru Patik told him that separation is an illusion and that the four nations are really all the same. But Aang re- responds that he does not want them to be the same. He explains that he loves the culture of his people as everything about it makes the, uh, the air nomads different from everyone else. And as the last air nomad, he has to preserve it. He has to restore the separation of the other nations to prevent their corruption, even if it means going against his air nomad principles and killing Zuko. So I think this in itself is a contradiction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because if it goes against the principles of the air nomads, then he's not really representing the principles of the air nomads. And I still I still understand Aang's reasoning for it, but it also seems a little a little weird to me, a little out of character that Aang had a, like a borderline existential crisis about killing Ozai, but he seems very ready to kill Zuko. Yeah. As he sees like it's the only solution to this. Yeah. Um which again just con- also contradicts like his whole thing in the comic book which is just just talk it out, mm-hmm. you know. So this this line in particular I was I was with Aang until he said that. Yeah. And that's that that's probably the only time in this comic book where I'm like I don't know if that's who Aang is. No. And and I understand it's like a it's a emotional situation. There's a lot of pressure on him, but I just I don't see Aang resolving to kill Zuko as the only solution to this problem. I mean, hey, he was under a shit ton of pressure with like you know everyone telling him to kill Ozai essentially. Uh, you know, exactly. And the fate of the world, literally. I mean, the fate of the world still is on his shoulders right now, him and other people's shoulders. But like the pressure is a little different this time as opposed to you know ending the Hundred Years' War. Versus now trying to solve this conflict to prevent another war. But, you know, I don't know. It just feels like the two situations are different. But, you know, yeah, he shouldn't. I, I didn't agree with him either on killing Zuko is the only way out of this. Like, Yeah, and to me, it's it's I don't know if it's a problem of the character or if it's a problem of the writing of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that Jin Young like doesn't understand Aang. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that. No. But it it does seem weird to me that we had a whole two episodes of Aang figuring out whether or not he should kill Ozai. And I know that it's it's conceivable that Aang has been thinking about this for the whole year that we did not see of whether or not he should kill Zuko. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But we also didn't see that. So I have to believe that he didn't. <laughs> you know, so I have to go off of what the comic book gives us. And to me, there isn't enough for me, there isn't enough motivation for Aang to come to that conclusion of of 
I have to kill Zuko even though it it goes against my air nomad principles because it just seems to me like a a quick solution to him even though that's the exact same decision he could have made with Ozai. Yep. You know, when there wasn't the harmony restoration movement and he wasn't thinking about preserving his air nomad principles. It does come up, but it doesn't come up in the context of him wanting to keep those principles alive. So it's it's weird to me and I don't know if I, I, it's also weird to me that maybe Aang just didn't even consider that he could have pulled another Ozai and took Zuko's bending away. Yeah, you know, again, it's a different conflict than what Ozai was doing, but it's yeah. again, I, I, I had a hard time swallowing this, yeah. like in terms of like believing whether or not this is something Aang would do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I feel the same way. So Katara attempts to tell Aang why she has changed her mind about the the restoration movement, uh, but she's interrupted by Smeller Bee and her protesters because despite Aang's best efforts, uh, Smeller Bee has initiated a mob to attack Yudao and in Fire Nation fashion uses a drill <laughs> to break through their walls, subsequently plunging the city into war. Yeah, so not great there. Uh, we pivot over to the Beifong Metal Blending Academy while Sokka is waiting with Toph for Aang and Katara to pick it up. Oh, well. Uh, Suki arrives first in a Fire Nation war balloon, and she explains that she knew where to find them because Master Kunio had lodged an official complaint about a dirt girl and a snow savage taking over his school. Yikes. Uh, yeah. Uh, his words, not mine. Problematic. <laughs> she says that she needs them both, and they go with her, leaving Toph's students behind. As they reach Yudao, Suki shows Toph and Sokka the two armies marching toward the city, revealing to them the reason that they have gathered. And Sokka, in true Sokka fashion, comes up with some plans to kind of slow down these tanks. And Sokka has Toph middle bend the screws on all of the Fire Lord's tanks while the army drives towards Yudao. And we won't know the reason until after the break. But how are you feeling about where we are now, Kayla, with the story? I mean, I think we already discussed our feelings on Aang's, you know, misgivings and things like that about being ready to kill Zuko, essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. However, I do love seeing uh, Sokka, Suki, and Toph working together again, Um, especially, like, kind of a callback with the, they go underground and, like, you know, I think it's, like, Suki's like, you know, I can't see a thing in here, and, like, Toph does a whole, like, you know, she doesn't say, oh, no, what a nightmare, but I was thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, what a nightmare. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, um, yeah, and I think though that the next part, which we'll get to after the break, uh, definitely it it it, stick, it kind of sticks the landing on the whole situation. Um, some things are kind of left untied a little bit, but not in an unsatisfying way. Um, yeah, so we'll get more to that after the break. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna take a quick minute, and we will continue with the last part of part three of the promise. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, Andre here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check to make sure you are following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. And we're back with the final part of The Promise. So, at this point in time, it looks like the Freedom Fighters might actually be about to change their mind about the attack. Sneer suggests thinking of Yudao as neither Earth Kingdom or Fire Nation, or a part of both. Katara then suggests that maybe they can make things better here without kicking all the Fire Nation people out. 
But before they continue this conversation, one of the protesters attacks, and that kind of fucks up their chance of a peaceful resolution at the moment. Uh, Aang attempts to stop the fighting. He tries to tell Smellerby that he's on her side about things and trying to find a peaceful resolution to all of this. But then the armies of the Earth Kingdom and Fire Nation show up at the front door, and it's just not looking good. Um, mm-hmm. The Yudao Avatar fan club have arrived to help as well, and they apologize for appropriating the air, you know, air nomad culture. They have since covered up their tattoos and headbands as well as a sign of this, uh, as an apology as well. Uh, General Howe then tells Aang to essentially kill Zuko to stop the Fire Nation army. While Aang is arguing with the general, Sokka and Toph arrive, Sokka, Toph, and Suki all arrive in the tank that they had commandeered and set their plan into motion, disabling all the Fire Nation tanks, the tanks, goodness, let's try that again. They set their plan into motion with the screws and disabled all the Fire Nation tanks, which forces the Fire Nation army to attack on foot. Aang then enters the Avatar state, infuriated. Katara then has to snap him out of it again and takes him away from the fighting. Mm-hmm. So in their small moment of quiet, Katara is finally able to tell him why she changed her mind about the Harmony Restoration Movement. She says that by seeing Corey's family, she could see their future. Two cultures starting a family together. If the nations become separate, what would that mean for them in their future? She then mm-hmm. tells him to clear his head and think the situation through. Whatever, And she knows, tells him that whatever he does, she trusts that it'll be the right decision and she'll follow him, even if he has to fulfill his promise. I cannot believe I never even thought about this this whole time. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, how, how, where do Katara and Aang fit into this world where all the nations are separate? I was like, I cannot believe I didn't even think of that. But I love the way that it was included and how it factors into Aang's decision. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. Yeah. And just seeing like that quick panel of like what Katara and, you know, Aang imagine their future together to be like. And it just like, mm-hmm. it just made me think of like, you know, what eventually does happen with them and just, I don't know. It like either I can't tell whether it worn by heart or broke it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's both. <laughs> um, but I'm glad they brought that up because uh, you know. I mean, again, we it's kind of an ongoing thing of whether the nation should be separated or start to blend. And as we kind of see with Republic City, as we see towards the end of this, you know, we see the beginnings of Republic City and that philosophy. So yeah. of the blending and res- blending of cultures, essentially. So. Um, they quit. They they share a quick kiss, and Ang flies off to a cliff away from the battle. He makes himself a shelter made of earth, and then meditates. He connects with Avatar Roku, who shares that he is Zuko's great grandfather. Which I didn't know that Ang didn't know this yet. So I didn't either. But yeah, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, and he insists that Ang fulfill his promise to Zuko for the greater good. Uh. The battle continues as the Yu Dao fan club and the gang attempt to stop the fighting. Top students have also shown up to help. <laughs> so good for them for that. Katara, meanwhile, water bends herself up to the Earth King's war balloon and brings him down to the ground to see Yu Dao for himself. Because for him, Yu Dao was just a marker on a map. Mm-hmm. So the fighting intensifies with Zuko and how duking it out until you see a giant beam of light shoot into the sky, just like when Aang first exited the iceberg. And Avatar Aang has arrived in full scary Avatar state mode. Using earthbending, he separates the two armies and causes Zuko to fall through the chasm. Aang then saves him from the fall and brings him back down to the earth. He turns to the Earth King, Katara at his side, and asks him to look at who he's fighting. He's not only fighting the Fire Nation, but also the Earth Kingdom, the Water Tribe, and the Air Nomads. 
he's had a realization. Aang explains that there's a whole new world to understand and to build, and that this world does not need to be separated. Yeah. After seeing you down the blend of the two kingdoms, the Earth King then realized that the Avatar was right. So there we go with the start of Republic City again, which just makes me so excited yeah. to see this kind of the dominoes that fall into place to see where we get the world in Korra. Mm-hmm. Um, Zuko, meanwhile, is like, I was right. I made the right decision here. And then just his body just rejects that again. He just passes out. So we have another <laughs> Zuko angst coma situation going on. <laughs> it's like the redemption arc coma part two from season mm-hmm. two. Um, and it looks like the fight's over. Uh, so a few days later, Aang then meditates on a rooftop in Ba Sing Se and confronts Roku. He explains his decision to not kill Zuko against Roku's wishes because he cares about him and the people that he's close with. Roku says that it would have been for the good of the world if he had done, if he had fulfilled his promise. To which Aang replies, when do you, like, when you told me to contemplate the world, what did you expect me to picture in my mind? A map? Some floaty cosmic energy? He says he can't contemplate the world without picturing the people that he cares about. Roku insists that he put the world at risk for being indecisive, and Aang replies that this is a new kind of world now. So, you know, I also kind of like, not going to lie, with this part where Aang says, like, what did you expect me to picture in my mind when it comes to the world? Like a map? Mm -hmm. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, you know, the Earth King seeing, you know, Yudao for himself. And, you know, after kind of being detached from the world, having to see it for himself was a really important factor in whatever decisions he makes next. You know, just kind of reminded me of that Mm -hmm. real quick. Yeah, and I think what I was thinking about was the real world parallel of like, when you don't open yourself up to people's experiences and um, cultures and that are not your own, it breeds ignorance and it breeds um, like resentment almost um, because you don't understand where those people are coming from because you don't understand their situation and um, I know for me at least you know before I went to college I was like very close-minded I grew up in a predominantly uh, white community went to a predominantly white high school and I didn't understand a lot of the world until I went to a college that was incredibly diverse and I learned about everyone's experiences and it completely changed my worldview. So uh, in the micro scale, at least is happening in this comic where a lot of the people who change their mind on this uh, situation, it happens after they see the real life people living out the consequences of their decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, it's a lesson in like, you can't look at people as numbers or just like faceless a spot on the map like you can't look at people like that and i i really like that that's kind of one of the themes that this comic brings to the table you know so i I, that's that's something that i i really uh enjoyed and resonated with so absolutely and like he said he can't contemplate the world for without picturing the people that he cares about um Mm -hmm. so because of this ang then thanks roku for his guidance but says that he needs to work the situation out on his own and he destroys his Fire Nation amulet, severing his connection with Avatar Roku as a spiritual mentor. And tears start to run down his face as he makes that decision. Iroh then comes out from the Jasmine Dragon and reports that Zuko has just woken up. Zuko and Aang then talk about what happened in the last week. Zuko says that he was wrong to ask Aang to make that promise with him. 
He says to Aang that in making the promise, he essentially forced Aang to decide what was right and wrong for him. And he's mm-hmm. come to the realization that he needs to make his decisions for himself now. And he apologizes for putting that kind of pressure on Aang, especially when he had other pressures to deal with as well as a world leader. He also shares that if he thinks that it might help him be more at peace if he connects with his mother's side of the family. He says he wants to try again to search for him, and Aang encourages him to do that. And then Iroh brings out his latest concoction, uh, boba tea, which I love that Iroh <laughs> invented boba tea in this universe. Yeah. Um, Aang and Zuko do not like it, uh, and proving once again that Iroh is a man ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I, lo- I love this I love that so but much. yeah I want to talk about Zuko's realization of him realizing that Aang he made Aang like make the decisions for him almost and I'm I'm glad that Zuko has realized like how unfair that is to make to put your friend in that situation because it's just a lot of growth on his part but it's also a really interesting character choice because someone who has like a history of making bad decisions and is trying to make the good ones will more often than not unconsciously make other people make the decisions for them. And this is like, it's just a, this is a real life thing that happens all the time. And I, I really, again, appreciated that this was included in Zuko's realization. He realizes that he can't have people make his decisions for him. Just world leader stuff aside, you know, like, Really, really appreciated that. Absolutely. I'm glad that they finally had a chance to sit down and talk with level heads, you know. And yeah. it just, I, I feel like this whole comic has been a very natural continuation of where Aang and Zuko left off in the season three finale. Um, mm. I'm just so proud of them, you know. <laughs> you, you got <laughs> to feel that. I'm rooting for those kids. Look at those yeah. kids. Oh, look at them. After the Jasmine Dragon, Aang holds a meeting with members of both the Yu Dao and Ba Sing Se chapters of the official Avatar Aang fan club. He explains to them that he wants them to continue the culture of his people. And he essentially makes them the first air acolytes. Yeah, this is really cool. Yeah, and it's like, I, I like that he's kind of come around to like, okay, you know what, there's ways for them to learn more about the culture and to continue its legacy and share and educate people and things like that and continue that philosophy in the world. Um, without being culturally appropriated. Yeah. So I'm really glad that, and now we could, I'm glad we got to see how they started because now we can see in Korra they're a little bit more established. Um, I do hope we get to learn more about them, uh, mm-hmm. either in like the next comic or even, hey, Avatar Studios, I would like to see some more about the Air Acolytes because we'd see them in Korra before, you know, the airbenders come back into the world. Um, and I just want to learn more about them. So. Hopefully. Yeah, I was I, I'm interested in learning more about them in terms of like uh, their status in the world. Like I I think we're like kind of meant to assume I know that the air nomads don't really do this, but they're they're pretty they become air air nation like citizens, I guess, even if they come from the Earth Kingdom or the Fire Nation or whatnot. But I think that's a really good encapsulation of what the story is about is that people can come from all different kinds of places and live together um, in harmony, right? Um, and I, I'm interested also, I don't think we'll ever get an explanation for this or being show this, but um, it's unclear just how old Tenzin was when Aang died. And I'm wondering what what the Air Acolytes did in terms of like Air Nation leadership in that time between 
Aang's death and to- uh, Tenzin um, like growing up to like kind of take Aang's place. Like I've always kind of wondered about that, just how involved the Air Acolytes are in terms of like world politics and stuff like that. So that's what I was interested in. Yeah, absolutely. So Avatar Studios. Highly doubt you're listening to this, but <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I want to learn more about the Air Acolytes in some capacity, please, and thank you. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you never know who could be listening, right? <laughs> yeah. So Zuko then visits a mental institution and asks the only remaining person he can think of who would be able to coax the whereabouts of his of his mother out of Ozai. And then we cut to seeing Azula in a straight jacket in a wheelchair, definitely not looking much better than the last time we saw her. Mm-hmm. She then says to him that there hasn't been a day that goes by without her wondering what happened to their dear mother. She then sees Ursa in her reflection again which tells her that she loves her and she always will. And with that ends the Promise series and starts the Search series. Mm-hmm. Loved this. I kind of had a feeling, because I knew Azula was in the Search, so I figured we get maybe some sort of tease. Um, interesting to see that she's still haunted by the ghost of her mother. Um, I mean, it's only and... been a year since the end of, you know, mm-hmm. Last Year of Ender, so it would make right. sense. It almost also kind of parallels like the end of season one, right? When we got teased with Zazula for the first time. Oh, that's right. Um, I didn't think yeah, of that. Yeah, so it's like an it's like an interesting parallel between those two times. Obviously, very different s- scenarios, situations. Um, it's there. The connections are there. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm really interested to see what part Azula plays in the search, especially because they're search they're searching for their mother. She obviously has her own issues with her. So that's going to be yeah. some very interesting and probably painful character moments. And I, for one, cannot wait for that. <laughs> you just love the angst. I just love the angst. If it's good angst, it's, I will take it. <laughs> and with that ends our recap of the Promise comic book. So let's move over to our fandom corner for this week. So this comes from Tumblr. I do not have the username because I think it's a screenshot taken from Facebook, which is literally how we find almost all of our fandom corners. Please send in more stuff for us to react to so that way I don't have to keep relying on <laughs> Tumblr and Facebook. <laughs> I don't mind it, but it's cool to get when people submit. Anywho, so this person writes, so my brother and I were just talking on the phone and we realized that Aang may have mastered all four elements, but Sokka ended up mastering all the non-bending styles from all four nations. He already knew how to fight with water tribe rep- weapons and regalia. And then what's likely the first Earth Kingdom village he's ever visited, he learned how to fight with the Kyoshi warriors. Then when he reached the Northern Air Temple, he was able to tap into the philosophy of the airbenders and realize that the best way to win a battle is to avoid face-to-face confrontation by instead using creative means and the sky to take down your opponent. And finally, when he reached the Fire Nation, he and Dao taught him how to use, forge a unique weapon and hone his swordsmanship. He learned all four non-bending styles. It puts Iroh's quote in different context. Understanding the other nations will help you become whole. I feel like that really fits with this yeah. overall uh, arc that we've gone on with the the Promise series. So yeah, and why people should not underestimate Sokka. No, he's 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 the idea guy, but he also knows how to fight in many different ways. So don't mess with him. We absolutely. All right. Over to our recommendations section for the week. Andre, what do you recommend this week? And I am intrigued by this as I'm reading it on the show notes right now. Yeah, so I realize there's no context to this. But if you are looking for a new podcast, I'm going to recommend the podcast Violating Community Guidelines. 
If you are familiar uh, with Brittany Broski and Sarah Shower, this is their joint podcast that they do. Um, and I, I've only listened to two episodes. One of them is about Facebook Marketplace, and the other one is about AI influencers. And um, oh, and I've listened to the third episode of Conspiracy Theories. Um, and it's just, I love their dynamic together. I think they're both extremely funny. Um, and it's, it's, you also like laugh, but you also like learn some really wacky stuff. Um, so definitely I would go take, uh, give that show a listen because it's, it's a really fun time. So when you put down Violent and Community Guidelines as your recommendation, I'm like, are you trying to like do some sort of like TikTok rebellion? Like don't say the, no, like, say the word no. die on a, on a, on a, you know, a, TikTok episode as opposed to saying on a live, you know, no, like nothing like that. <laughs> so that was that was a great no context recommendation. I was absolutely intrigued for it. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> it's like you putting like just the title of this of your recommendation without the author. I did put the right author in. I know, I know, but it, it would have oh, been oh, just yeah. like that. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, but just put malice. Yeah, just be evil. Uh, yeah. So my recommendation for the week is a book. I don't think I've done a book recommendation in a hot minute. So here we are now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the book is called Malice by Heather Walter. And essentially, it is uh, Sleeping Beauty, but lesbians. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's basically the best way I can describe it personally. Um, and also, Fair. I think I just finished... I. Mm, I love the world building in this. It's not um, like I've read some books where it was kind of you're there's a lot of lore in other world building in fantasy and science fiction where it's like um, there's a lot of different vocab words and things like that. And like so much that they have to put like an index at the back of the book, which I didn't know they did that in another series I read. But anywho, I was not confused by the world building. It was very easy to follow through and understand what was going on. Um, I read the last like. 50 or so pages like in the bath last night and I'm so glad I live alone because I was just like getting really excited at one part and then I started yelling no in the middle of reading another part so like I'm very glad I live alone because I'm pretty sure I sound like a psychopath last night reading this book uh so here's my recommendation (laughs) read it uh I also say that this book is also the embodiment of uh I support women's rights but I also support women's wrongs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just just say that's what i also highly recommend uh book as well so go check out malice by heather walter and please suffer the same pain as me because the next book doesn't come out until fucking may and i'm angry about it with such a good cliffhanger so someone else needs to commiserate with me on this it's also why i'm recommending it <laughs> <laughs> all right and of course if you want some more avatar hour in your life follow us on social media we are now on tiktok at the avatar hour pod we have some more goofy and fun stuff coming on tiktok we have such a great time sending things to each other andre and i just send things of like we should totally do this with like these characters and this Mm -hmm. audio so we got plenty more to come with that you can also follow us on facebook and instagram at the avatar hour podcast and on twitter at avatar hour now of course like i said before we're always looking for more fandom corner stuff so you got any good theories or memes or whatever or random thoughts you have about the universe of Avatar, send it our way through our DMs on social media, or you can email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. And if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life by way of a monthly subscription, then consider signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, add free editions of our episodes, 
Zoom recordings, and much, much more. If you sign up for our $5 Air Acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, where we do things like finding out what bender we'd be, reacting to Avatar TikTok, and next week we will be creating a character playlist on Spotify. So you definitely want to be there for that. Again, that'll be that the $5 Air Acolyte level. Again, appropriate for what we just talked about today. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice and leave a review. Uh, and yeah make sure to give us five stars if you enjoy the podcast Um, but yeah that's it for the promise we will be back next week with our topic episode thank you guys so much for listening we will see you guys next week my name is Andre and I'm Kayla alright bye everyone bye everyone